Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you guys. Lots of uh, folks from out of town. You're all so welcome. I hope you feel really at home here. We're glad to have you. Um, It's fun to finally have a chance to have the kids program for elementary, so uh, very excited about that. You may hear kids, especially if you're in the back because you're right over them, but just so you know, it's our policy to love the fact that they're noisy, okay? So if you hear kids, just be thankful there are kids, and there's a whole bunch of seats right up here, all right? Um, When my son, uh, Michael, was a little guy, he was like three our family went to, uh, to the Dallas World Aquarium. Anybody been there? I know some of you have. In the uh, World Aquarium, when you there, you go downstairs, and you know, I don't remember it exactly, but in the lower part of it, you come around this uh, kind of a bendy sort of stairs, and you open, it comes into this area where there's a huge glass wall. And at least they used to have these giant sea manatees. Is that what they're called? Manatees in there? I mean, they're huge you know, floating around. They don't do a lot, but they're pretty impressive looking. And my little boy was the first one down there and he, he went around the corner and they didn't scare him. He was like, just blown away. You know, he'd never seen that. And so his, his little bit bigger brother was coming down the steps with me or his mom. And, uh, and he goes, Bubba, Bubba, it's a, it's a, it's a big, you know, he's like, he's like three. So he couldn't, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what it was, you know, just like a blob with a face. And, uh, (laughs) Um, so he, uh, he kept saying, it's a big, it's a big. And, you know, we, we explained to him later, but he couldn't put his finger on what it, he just was amazed by what it was. Okay, that's just a little example that Claire brought up to me this week. We were eating and she said, you know, this series that we're doing on the attributes of God, looking at who he is, the only one. It's, it's like, we would love it. I would love it if every week we went away and were like, just blown away by what we saw. Like, oh my, I saw this new aspect of God or something I knew before and now I see it differently. I'm just, it just hits me. I just hope that's what's happening with each of you. I'm not saying God is a giant sea manatee. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, if we could walk away as amazed as a three-year-old, you know, at that, it would be, it would be fabulous. And, and really, here's the point today. I would love us to walk away in awe of the grace of God. To walk away, just at some point today, if you are interacting with the scripture that we just heard, and you walk away with a new perspective on the grace of God, that just you're just like, wow, that is so cool. I would love that. And, and we, we could think about it as a body and as friends all during this week. So that's where we're going, a sense of awe. But there's something about it, that particular piece of grace that I want to bring up to you. And that is that God acts first. There is a piece of grace, of understanding the nuances of God's grace that is so important and so powerful. And it's this, that he goes first. His grace is grace that acts first. So that's, that's what I'm going to be talking about. You may come away with a different thing, uh, but that's where we want to go. And I want to ask you to think about this. If we really get in touch with his grace and what it really means, especially in that he goes first in relation to us, what does that change about me? How does that impact me? And I I would ask you, do we take it for granted? In other words, do we actually value his grace at the level that we should? 
So be thinking about that. And I will say this too. Believers, if you're someone who follows Jesus in here, there's some hard stuff in this passage. Hard stuff. And if you're not a believer, if you haven't crossed that line and you're walking with Jesus, following him, it's going to be hard for you to hear too. So be ready. You'll find those things, I'm sure. So three points. An unexpected act, unlikely companion, and an unearned gift. Unexpected act, unlikely companion, and an unearned gift. So let's talk about this unexpected act. So in the theological world, if you were to go to a theological dictionary and look up grace, you would see what a bunch of people who sit around and just think about stuff all day say about what grace is. And they would divide it up into all these different things like common grace and efficacious grace and special grace and things like that. It would just go, it's a long list. But we're going to talk about one today, and I'll use the theological word for it, uh, prevenient grace. Okay, That's our big word for today, prevenient. That means that God goes first. Prevenient means he acts first in our favor with his grace. He precedes us. He goes before us in grace. Let me read uh, just briefly part of Ephesians 2 again to you from 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, the first two words of that. Can you go back there to the first two words of of that? We'll just hold that up there. Okay. But God. If you were going to pick two words that were some of the most important theological words in the whole Bible, all the Bible, the whole thick thing, you could use those. But God. What that means is that God stepped in. But God. Now what's before it, in the first part of chapter 2, it says that we were dead in our trespasses. And what's after it is we were dead in our trespasses. It's just surrounded by that idea. I was, I'll never forget, I was at a conference in Chicago at this church called Willow Creek. And uh, this guy was speaking at this uh, conference on uh, how to communicate the gospel to people. And he was, he, his whole message was on those two words, but God. And he, was, he had one of those big preacher voices. And I'm not even going to try to, you just laugh at me if I did it. But he, he says, but God. And when, the way he said it, I was like, you know, just taken aback. But God, he, it, stuck, it stuck with me till now. See, we, we get a little confused about the, the thing that happens in that but God thing. Because we're confused about the word dead. Uh, Tim Keller has a great take on this. It's pretty funny. He's talking to his congregation. He says... He said, I probably don't need to belabor this, but there's a difference between being sick and being dead. <laughs> right? The problem is, we think, we think that we're sick. We think we're ill, and there's something we could do. We can go see a doctor. We can find help. We can move forward. We're going to get better, whatever. That's sick. But you remember what it says here in this passage that we just read. It doesn't say, you're sick. It says... You're dead. Totally incapable. 
our rebellion against God has made us incapable of correcting that. We cannot do anything about it. We are dead, spiritually dead. We're all you know, alive, physically, spiritually dead until we cross that line of faith. So why? Why did he do it? Talks a little bit about that. In, uh, in that passage, it says he is so rich in mercy that he intervenes. We were yet dead, but he was so rich in mercy. So we need to clarify something real quick, the difference between mercy and grace. Uh, there's a book that the women are going to be studying on Wednesday mornings this summer. So if you are female, uh, Wednesday, and I can't remember what time, but it's in the flyer uh, upstairs over here. They're going to be looking, going through a book by a woman named uh, Jen Wilkin, and she calls Mercy and Grace sisters, which I thought was a pretty neat way to, to look at it. Uh, let, me, let me explain it to you a little more in depth. Mercy is a gift. It's a form of compassion. So mercy is a form of compassion that causes a person to act on behalf of another one. And there may be a cost involved in showing mercy. Does that make sense? I can show mercy to you because of compassion that I feel towards you or empathy, but there may or may not be a cost to me. Remember, I got another story about my son, Michael. He's not here to defend himself. Um, I, was, uh, I was driving home really late from dropping him off somewhere. It was super late, way after my bedtime. It was like 9.15. And, uh, no, it was like midnight. And I was, it was, I was so tired, and I had been really careful about the speed limit until I got to the cemetery. If you're from out of town, the cemetery, okay? I go by there about 50 miles an hour, and I see the cop. I'm like, oh, crud. He pulls out, and he does that deal where he just drives behind me without his lights for a really long time. I'm like, come on. This is like when your mom knows you went to the office, you know, in middle school, and she's going to beat the crud out of you when you get home, and you just have to wait. So um, I'm driving. She, we live in Meridian Lake. She, he follows me all the way up there, okay? And then he turns on his lights. I'm almost home. Okay, pull over. Gets me, he gets me out, or he doesn't get me out. He comes up, and he does that eternal walk, you know, from the cop. I haven't been pulled over, but like once or twice. But um, anyway, it's a long walk from the police car to me. And... Uh, <laughs> says, can I have your license? I'm like, okay. Like he doesn't know who I am already from my license plate. He's been typing it. And I give it to him. He disappears for a long time. He comes back. And here's what he goes. He says, are you Michael Wynn's dad? <laughs> no, Michael's a senior at, at CBCS at that time. And I'm like, is this a trick question? I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking uh, so I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, I, I really thought, should I admit <laughs> I really, I mean, I'm so proud of my son, but it's like, is this the time? You know, I was like, so that was really quick, and I was like, yeah, he's he's my son, and he goes, okay, uh, he goes, he goes, well, I know him, his, my wife knows him, and he's helped her with something or other, and he goes, just here's the deal, slow down. <laughs> I was like, yes, he showed me mercy, right? That was mercy. It didn't cost him anything, right? But that's mercy. Grace is a little bit different. 
If he'd pulled me over and written me a ticket that I could never afford, like some you know, $3,000 ticket, right? And I was so angry, and I went, I was going to fight it. So I went to court, and I was there before the judge, and I'm like, I'm going to fight this even though I'm guilty. I'm going to have to pay. We've all felt that way before. And the policeman comes in, and he pays my fine. He says, all right, you're free. I got it. That's mercy, but it's also grace, right? It's more than mercy. It's grace because it had a great cost. See, grace is both indispensable and really costly. Do you see the difference? So mercy is one thing, but grace is something else, especially God's grace that goes first. So the unexpected act is but God. Though we were incapable, God steps in and does something unbelievable for us. But more than making it possible for us to know, to know the one true God of the universe at his own great cost, God does something else. And you might not have seen it in the passage. And even if you study this passage, I wonder if you've seen it. And this is the next point. It's our unlikely companion in grace, our unlikely companion. And that companion is Jesus. Now listen and look for this as I read it now that you know that it's coming. This is in 5 through 7. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and God raised us up with him, with Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's more than just rescuing us by grace. That's something much more. Like somehow we've been elevated to this new level of respect in God's hierarchy. I mean, he, he, those words in there, right? He made us alive with Jesus. He raised us up with him and he seated us in honor with Jesus. What we can't see in the English is that in the, in the original language, each one of those verbs Uh, made alive, raised up, and seated in honor, starts with these letters, S-Y-N, sin. Not sin like the other kind. Sin, a different S-Y, yeah. S-Y-N means, in Greek, together with. Together. He made us alive together. He raised us up together with Jesus and seated us in honor with Jesus. And the other thing about this S-Y-N word is that it means it's past tense. It's all done. When you cross the line of faith, when you believed, all of it was done. All of that stuff was done. This is the major difference, the defining difference between all other major religions in Christianity and knowing Christ. So when people say, well, what, what really is the difference between Christianity and Buddhism or Christianity, anyone you just pick? I'll try to boil it down to the thing that is simple because that's what I need. It's do, my friend, versus done. And what that means is in every other of these world faiths, we have to raise ourselves above the line or empty ourselves beyond a line or do something that gets us to a certain point where we are acceptable. Check it out. Don't believe me. The difference is right here, but God. Amen.
You don't have to earn this. Listen to this. This is another thing I got from Keller. Okay, listen carefully. What he deserves became yours and mine. I'm going to say that again. What he deserves became yours and mine. And everything you and I deserved, he took on himself. Everything we deserved, he took on himself. So grace is even more than a restored relationship. The possibility of being restored to relationship with God, to being reconciled. It's much more than that. It's being lifted up, made alive, and given a seat of honor with Jesus himself, spiritually. That is amazing. And that's in the scripture, all in the first couple of lines of of this chapter 2. Okay, so we have an unexpected act. We have this unlikely companion of, of the Messiah. And then the unearned gift, the last part here. So this is what I think I've done. I've misunderstood the depth of grace. I've misunderstood how it, how it works because built into me, just part of my nature and your nature and the, every, really everyone, is the desire to perform. We're just made that way. We want to perform. We, we're raised that way. Everything about uh, even just providing food. You have to do a certain amount of work to provide food. There's work that has to be done. It's built into us. But that's part of being spiritually blind to being dead because that's not true with God. If we're dead, we cannot perform enough to raise ourselves above a line to gather his favor. And I want to read to you the last part of uh, 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. You have a different understanding of the word grace, maybe. For grace, you've been saved by by faith. Grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast about it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we, we don't do things to please God, to stay above the line or to cross that line of acceptability to be in relationship with him, to be saved. We don't do that. And thus, after we know him, we don't do things in order to earn his favor. That doesn't work. Let me say it this way. Our rebellion that we were born with, is it's displayed in our acts. Okay, Our rejection of God is displayed in our acts. Our acts do not earn us more separation from God. They may earn us more consequences, but they don't change our position. We are positionally dead. But here, here, let me just move on to this. Something very important is in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith in this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Okay, notice this with me. Saved by grace through faith and this is not of your own doing. I always think we're talking about grace there. The grace is not of your own doing. He's talking about the faith. 
the faith is not of your own doing. You get the grace, but I'm like, yeah, and I've often said this from this place right here. Our only part in following Jesus is faith, we, to believe. Well, that's partially true because the truth is that the faith is a gift as well. There's a lot crammed into these little verses, isn't there? This is not your own doing. Your faith is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. And then you see right after that, it says you were created for good works. So just like the works we did when we were dead didn't do anything, once we have trusted Christ and are walking with him, the good things that we do, which we were made for, are a reflection of who we are in Jesus, not ways to earn points. Like, oh, I'm going to do my, my devotions this morning so good things happen today. Well, no, that's great. Do that. But that's, it's not one plus one like that. I'll do this good deed. I'll give some money. Good. That's what you were made for. So we have this uh, unexpected act of grace that God does. We have an unlikely companion in Jesus. And then this unearned gift. And as I wrap up, let me ask the musicians to come on back up and get ready. We're going to sing one more song before we leave. Uh, But we've done three messages now, or at least the last three messages on this these characteristics of God kind of come together here. I'm going to explain why I think so. The first one we looked at was we looked at the justice of God. God is making all things right. That is what is happening. In the end, he's making all things right, and that's first. Second, and last week, we talked about the fact that God is good. He is good. He's not just good. He's not just the definition of good. He is what is good. And thirdly, today, that God goes first in amazing grace towards us. Let me, let me share with you, just I'll close with this little example. Um, there was a, a village in a remote area. It was one of those villages where the chief decides everything. Very familial, and, uh, but a lot of power rests with the chief. And they were going through a time of famine, and things were terrible. And during that time, uh, basically a martial law level had to be put in place to to maintain order for them to survive. And bread started being stolen from different households. And so in that situation, it was a a high crime. And so they're searching for the person who is committing the crime. And the chief makes it known that whoever is caught for this uh, stealing is going to be whipped Uh, to within an inch of their life, almost killed by the whip. And so the stealing continues. And the tension is building, and everyone is is just flabbergasted that in this close community this thing could happen. And they catch the person who's doing it. And so they're going to have a public trial in the middle of town, like you can imagine, uh, this tiny village. And the chief is seated, and the, the elders are there, and the people are all there. And they bring out the one who's conv- who is, has been accused. And it's the daughter of the chief. Well, he's in a tough spot. right? Can you imagine the feeling of that? And so he, to uphold what is right, says, 
she will have to be punished exactly like we described. So uh, right there and right then, they tie her arms out, get her down on her knees, and one of the soldiers is directed to go back who's skilled with this means of punishment. And it's all about to take place, and the chief says, hold on. And he takes off his fancy garments, and he walks to her, and he gets behind her, and he wraps his arms around her. And then they apply the punishment, and he takes it. This is indispensable grace, and it came at great cost. It's it's not unlike what we've experienced. 